Good afternoon, dear friends. Thank you for turni- turning in and going to sleep. And th- this is your body speaking, saying, thanks for turning in. We were tired. Actually, what I meant to say is, thanks for tuning in. And that means something completely different than turning in. It's kind of like the opposite. In one sense, you're shutting off your engagement with this 3D realm that we call Splockta. <laughs> or do is that not what we call it? What do we? Oh, reality. Sorry, sorry, not Splockta. Reality. So when you're turning in, you're you're disengaging from from reality, and uh, when you're tuning in, you're actually sort of engaging with reality. If you consider listening to a podcast part of reality. And I want to say thank you for tuning in. Okay, can we start now? (laughs) Got all that figured out. It's amazing how um, sometimes just messing up with the language of of English that I am speaking can uh, cause, you know, these wonderful little these wonderful little tangents that we can take together. I don't know if you can hear, but very faintly in the background, you may be able to hear the sound of a piano being played. That is the 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 big number one super big bubblegum bonus that I have of this studio space is that directly below me is a grand piano in the concert hall and a master pianist by the name of Susan Ellinger practices on that piano for hours and hours so it's sort of a twofold thing in one sense it's just freaking great because I get to sit here and paint or um, what else do I do in the studio Um, sit and look out the window and ponder the purpose of my existence or um, email you know send emails and and all the while be serenaded by the sweet sounds of of Miss Ellinger on the piano and my god she's you know she might be the best pianist in the whole world for all I know Uh, I certainly don't know any better and um, so that's it's it's wonderful it's a total treat it's also inspirational because she's so diligent in her practice uh, and it's also uh, in the same way that it's inspirational it's also kind of mm, what's the word uh, well it's difficult to uh, it's it's challenging it's challenging because of the amount of time and effort that she puts into her craft. And I can't help but compare the amount of time I put into my craft of painting. And like, when I, you know, I get into the studio, she's playing, you know, for all I know, has been playing for an hour already, uh, two hours maybe. I put her around, pack up my paints, get the cart together, get out, go out and paint paint for like two hours and be like oh god that's got to be enough that's got to be enough for now i got something else there's always some excuse for coming back in from painting 
and I come back in and she's still at it. Like, uh, and there's no, you know, in painting, it's like I could be out there for three hours and actually only paint for like an hour and a half because I could be walking around and checking my phone or whatever the hell I do up there. Um, there's no denying the the time spent when you can hear the music being played and you know that she's just playing away. Anyway, I'm very grateful for it, um, and I'm, I'm trying not to, uh, you know, take it personally as 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 uh, <laughs> as proof of my own inadequacy in terms of of artistic practice, and just enjoy the music. All right, folks, just sit back and enjoy the music. We've got a great podcast today. I recorded this interview uh, yesterday morning with one of the residents at Elsewhere Studios. Um, she's a resident for the month, month of May. Her name is Arenza, and she is a writer. And uh, we had a nice conversation, and I'm uh, excited to share it with you. Before I play the interview, I just want to give you a couple of details. First of all, um, toothpaste <laughs> is... Uh, is not to be disregarded. I've been on this kick of calcium therapy where I'm brushing my teeth with a, a solution of, of calcium and zinc in water, and I've gradually noticed my teeth becoming less white. <laughs> and I, so I, I've been, you know, thinking a lot the past couple of days about about my diet and how that affects the whiteness of my teeth and about you know, uh, drinking less coffee and eating less sugar and carbs. And generally, the, the idea is that you create a less acidic environment in your mouth. Do you want to think about your mouth right now? Is that, how do you feel about that? About just kind of imagining your mouth and how acidic it is and thinking about your teeth? Well, let's, we'll just, we'll just go down the road briefly. Um, really was just not happy with the way my teeth were looking the past couple of days. And this morning I uh, stole some toothpaste. Well, I borrowed, I used some toothpaste without asking of my roommates. And this is a uh, nice toothpaste. It's the quality stuff. It's called, it's by Jason, which I don't know if it's actually pronounced like Jason or something, but Jason seems like just a terrible, terrible name for toothpaste. Especially toothpaste that pretends or portends to be uh, all natural. Anyway, uh, this stuff seems to be all the rage these days. There's one called Power Smile, <laughs> which also seems totally opposite of the idea of natural toothpaste. But I brushed uh, this morning with with Jason, and um, my teeth immediately looked significantly whiter. <laughs> uh, so I think, I think me and old calcium therapy, um, you know, that, that story may be over. It was fun while it lasted. I think I may be back to flossing and brushing my teeth with toothpaste because uh, I sure as hell am not going to stop drinking coffee and eating bagels. The website for the podcast is GabeRobertsArt.com. That's G-A-B-E-R-O-B-E-R-T-S dot C-O-M. And if you visit that website, you can look at images of my artwork 
and you can contact me. Um, you can also scroll through, you know, past episodes of the podcast and uh, listen to more. I believe this is episode 36 or 37, something like that. We're really getting up there, folks. Um, and then if you do wish to contact me, send an email to GabeRobertsArt at gmail.com. You can also send snail mail, which I love. I adore. <laughs> je t'aime. Je t'aime le snail mail. And je post, je post office box is je P.O. box 1668. That's in Paonia, Colorado. Paonia is spelled P-A-O-N-I-A. And the zip code is 81428. I encourage you, if you are interested in corresponding, to uh, send a piece of mail that way. And um, that's a novel experience, getting something in the mail, and you just might get something back. And boy, I got some great stickers, guys. Okay? I've got some stickers, and uh, I just need... uh, I just need some cards to put the stickers on. So um, you can just send me a letter saying, please send stickers with return address, and I will pick out a, a small selection of stickers, and I'll stick them on a card, and I'll, I'll mail them to you, and then you'll have a card with stickers on it. Um, gosh, that's I think that's all you need to know about this um, podcast before we just launch right into the interview. Uh, thanks for coming along for the ride. This interview is just under an hour long. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, I'll come back to you at the end with more details about Arenza. Uh, so anyway, sit back, relax, um, enjoy this conversation, and, and please welcome energetically the uh, lovely and talented Arenza Lund. very sweet on its own. Mm-hmm. So I finished the cookies you left last night. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> plowed through all. I left like two more. That's true. But I plowed through all the ones you that didn't... you had left in the place, so. <laughs> I thought about that. I almost went back um, and grabbed them after the work party. Yeah. And I was like, ah, someone will eat them. Yeah. Very happily did. <laughs> Good. Yeah. It's a rainy evening. Needed 
Yeah. Good time to eat cookies. Was. So, um, I started, it's already recording, so we don't have to, like, start. Okay. We've already, we've already started. Oh, excellent. We've already begun. <laughs> so, welcome. Thank you. How are you doing on this fine morning? Excellent. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a pretty one. Yeah. We've had a fair amount of rain these past few days. Doesn't look like we're going to get any today. No, that's too bad. I yeah, want to snow. Yeah, you've been enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's a good day for a hike. Go yeah. out and, and climb P Hill later or something. Go get a little muddy. Yeah. So, you are from Denmark? Sort of? Sort of, yeah. Uh, my family's Danish. Uh-huh. And um, I grew up in San Francisco. Uh-huh. And lived there most of my life. Have you visited Denmark? Yep, do so every year. Oh, Make nice. A bunch of family back there and cool. go and stay with them and hang out and eat all the good food. Uh-huh. So, yeah. What brought your parents to San Francisco? Uh, they went to business school down at UCLA. Oh, neat. And then stuck around after that. Cool. Yeah. Cool. California converted them. Yeah, totally. Well, it's a pretty cool place. Yeah. Mm. But in comparison to Denmark, it doesn't like really have its shit together. <laughs> <laughs> they're very, they're very different places. <laughs> yeah, they are. But you know, you only have two seasons in California, mm-hmm. so that's, you know, that's an upside, right, for many people that it doesn't get so dark and right. Um, Dreary, right. Do you visit at a particular time of year every year to Denmark? Usually, in usually in the summer. Oh, good. Yeah, nice. But uh, go in the winter sometimes, and it's nice with all the snow. And uh-huh. I'm, you know, since it's sort of foreign to me, I'm partial to the snow and the darkness and right. You know, all the real Christmas cheer. Yeah, so, right. Where you're just forced inside. Yeah, with the fireplace and yeah, uh, yeah. We have this Danish word, hukli, uh-huh. which is sort of untranslatable, um, but it's that feeling of being surrounded by good company and that cozy feeling of sitting in front of a fireplace or, you know, it's just that feeling evoked and makes winters very bearable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Fireplace is really crucial. Yeah. I kind of started the winter here last winter and (laughs) didn't get firewood for a little while, so it got... I mean, I have a, a wood-burning stove, but yeah. I just didn't have wood. Yeah. And it got, like, I feel like probably the coldest part of the winter was, like, in November. I mean, like, early on, it got really cold. Really? Yeah, for, like, a couple of weeks. And, um... Is it just because you weren't used to it yet, or was it really... No, that was it was... the coldest part? Yeah, it was, like, a cold Jeez. front thing. Wow. Yeah. And, um... And it, we didn't have firewood, and so we were just using the, like, electric forced air heat, and it was kind of miserable. <laughs> and then once I got, once we got a lot of wood, I got the fire going. But you also have to have the right kind of wood. I mean, yeah, to I'm totally out of that. I don't mm, know. That's not your department. No, really. <laughs> I've been playing with the, you know, wood-burning stove uh-huh. here on the rainy evenings just because uh-huh. it's cozy, uh-huh. um, and because I wanted to try and bake bread in it. Oh. But, which worked very well. Did it really? Um, yeah, but cool. I I really don't know the differences between mm. 
the woods to burn there. Well, it's all about how heavy the wood is, how dense it is. Hmm. And the hardwood is denser, and it just burns. I don't know that it burns hotter, like... Does it smolder longer? Or is that? <clears throat> it definitely burns longer, yeah. and it creates less ash as well. So, like, we got a bunch of aspen, which is not very hard. Okay. And it burns really fast, and you have to, like, empty the stove, like, <laughs> every single day that you make a fire. You yeah. To, like, but with you, if you have, like, eucalyptus or oak or almond or whatever, huh. hardwood, then it just burns and burns and burns and doesn't create a whole lot of uh, ash, which is really that's, nice. That's really interesting. So how did you bake bread in the stove? Um, well, because well, ours has that little um, latch that you open and you can stick. It's almost like a little grill area inside it. Uh, um, so just put things in there. Oh, uh, neat. It was great. Um, yeah, I've, I've never been, used that Well, because I was here in the summer. I never yeah, used it. I, I've been debating just starting up a fire and, you know, wrapping potatoes in oh, yeah, foil yeah. and sticking them in. That seems like that would be a great success. Yeah. Yeah. But this was there's a little there's a little like shelf that you can just set the loaf of bread on. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, what kind of bread did you make? Whole wheat. Yeah. Nice. Up in baguette, actually. Nice. Um, it was good. Oh sure, because yeah. it was like long yeah. shelves. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was. They converted me, so I made pizza in there the next night. Really? Yeah. Well, it was wow. great fun. Yeah, pizza in a wood fired oven. That's pretty classy stuff right there. It was. It was delicious. Nice. Yeah. And I was the only one there, so I ate the whole pizza by mm. myself. <laughs> nice. What did you put on the pizza? Uh, kale from the garden uh-huh. and potatoes uh-huh. and cheese. And olive oil? And olive oil. Nice. Yeah. Good stuff. California yeah. olive oil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. You brought it out with you? No, I actually brought it here. Mm. It's impressive. I must have uh, good marketing to get all the way out here in one of those stores. Mm-hmm. Well, I bought Spanish olive oil in California, so you know what are you? Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna make of all that? Uh, There's really no rhyme or reason to no. it. No, they can get things wherever and wherever, and yeah. yeah, as long as people are intrigued by the place where it's coming from, yeah, it works. Yeah. So you've been elsewhere for approximately 18 days or so? <laughs> yeah, just and about. you came at the beginning of the month? Yeah, yeah. It's what was your like initial impression of... Well, you told me a little bit flying in that you were uh, impressed by the mountains. Yeah, so we were on this tiny plane coming up. Uh, I had a layover in Houston, and so we came up from Houston flying okay. into Grand Junction. Tiny plane. And I had one of those, like, single-seat window seats. Nice. And flying over the mountain range was just astoundingly beautiful. That sounds awesome. It was, yeah, it was so impressive. And It wasn't a prop plane, was it? Was it a jet? I, I have no idea. <laughs> did it have propellers, or did it have Oh, no, it, it, was, it was a jet, okay. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it was so beautiful that I was taking pictures out the window with my mm. camera and you know everyone sort of flocked to one side of the plane to you know oh, take cool. photos of Fun. the wing and all the mountains yeah. underneath um, 
covered in snow and it was beautiful. And then mm. we landed and, you know, from coming from California, I'm not used to like the mountains and, mm-hmm. you know, especially snow everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so just driving over here from Grand Junction was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, it's probably beautiful wherever you come from, but yeah, it was very impressive with the mountains. Yeah. And then you go through kind of like deserty. Yeah. And then you get to just outside of Hotchkiss and things start to get like really green. Right? Yeah. And all this, all the farms. Yeah. I still remember that drive in and how impressive that was. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's totally beautiful. So how did you find out about elsewhere? Uh, I was <coughs> looking for residencies for the summer mm-hmm. and just, it popped up mm-hmm. and it looked like a good one. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, sort of, you know, they had photos of the front of the elsewhere building mm-hmm. and it's a pretty kooky looking building mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just like instant instant love mm-hmm. um so cool. yeah so and now here i am yeah it's good. yeah it seems i haven't met anybody yet that has been like disappointed like part of me could see people coming from cities or something coming here and feeling like it's just too like uh like it's not nice enough or it's it's too like run down or shabby not that it really is like no, it's, it's quite a nice space but, yeah um but everybody that's finds as far as the people that i've talked to that have found their way here are really into the aesthetic of like um yeah it's a little bit of a alternative i guess you could say like uh whimsical Whimsical, I think, is a great word for it. Yeah. Uh, And I think I didn't know what to make of the town. I I mean, just I had no notions ahead of time of what what the town was going to be. And there's just, I mean, people are so friendly and interested Mm -hmm. in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And um, there's so much happening in the town that, Mm -hmm. I mean you have to like turn down invites for a night because if you want to have a night in well i mean that too but just there are so many things going on at the same time that you have to pick and choose and i I really wasn't expecting that from yeah such a on the surface small town right um but it's great yeah Yeah. it is and it's not even full on yet we're still kind of ramping up really yeah that's exciting (laughs) yeah well (laughs) yeah definitely is a challenge to uh to make time for art or for whatever you need to do on your own. Yeah. But it's a good, it's a good challenge. Yeah. And the longer I'm here, it gets, I think it is getting a little bit easier to say no to things and miss things. Yeah. When I was here, first here, I didn't say no to anything, really. <laughs> Seems <laughs> difficult to, like, to get things done. Yeah. Into it. yeah. I didn't get, I mean, I got a lot done in the beginning, but then after the first couple of weeks... Yeah. I did get a whole lot done. <laughs> but it was great. That's really what I wanted. Yeah. Like, is to just make some friends. Yeah. I've been kind of solitary for a while in, in Sacramento before yeah. I came here. So. And the town has its charm. I mean, clearly it drew you back, right? Yeah. So, and already I'm like, when when can I come back? You yeah. Know, can I do another residency? Can I, you know, just move here? Right. <laughs> so, it's it's pretty great. Yeah, good. Well, I'm really glad you found your way here. Yeah, and it's nice to not be the only resident. I mean, mm-hmm. many residencies are solitary. And, mm-hmm. uh, this huh. one's, it's nice that, you know, we have 
three other um, yeah. lovely women who are joining me in the residency, and everyone's art is so different that right. it's very inspiring to it work is. with um, everyone else. So. Yeah, I wonder if if do you think that uh, more writers were you looking at like are there a lot of writers only residencies? Uh, yeah, there are there are some. I uh, you know I this is my first residency. I wasn't. Yeah sure what to look for so yeah. it was just um, whatever this the internet what brought into my lap yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think you know now I have such high expectations from a residency right. I'll, I'll really know what to look for in the future yeah so but. it's an interesting especially in a place like this where there is a, such a present community it's an interesting experience to be an artist in residence because you're sort of like a tourist in a way like you're coming from somewhere completely different and you're not there <clears throat> it's sort of already known that you're going to leave like yeah. as soon as you get there like your so your presence is like by nature sort of a temporary one yeah and so it's sort of an interesting I don't know it's kind of an interesting experience I guess it's sort of akin to traveling yeah. But you do, at the same time, you get to actually live there, and so you get to experience, like, life. Absolutely. Um, you get your hooks into the community. Yeah. And it's, it's a really great experience. Yeah, so. but, man, it would be tough to do. I don't know. I mean, I, I want to do some more, I think. But um, it's kind of potentially, like, a heart-wrenching situation Yeah. to be in that. Because I know a lot of artists that do them back to, you know, like, that becomes their life, where they're yeah. constantly doing that, and I don't know, I don't know how that well that would suit me. Yeah, I don't know either. Then again, I haven't tried it yet, so. Right. <laughs> I mean, maybe, this is the only one I've done. Yeah, maybe, maybe I should go try it and report back in a year. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah. yeah. But you're heading to graduate school. Yeah, in right? London. In London. So. To pick up and travel somewhere very new and exciting. Yeah, and you're going to study medieval history. Yep. Yeah. And what did you you went to UC Berkeley for undergrad? Yep. What did you study there? Uh, English and medieval history. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So it was good. It was a good mix. Uh, I had great professors that got me very interested in it. Nice. Um, and I had a chance to do an undergraduate dissertation, um, which I then ended up presenting at. Kalamazoo, which is sort of like the biggest medieval conference. Uh, Kalamazoo. Yeah, and it was it was really a great experience learning uh, and meeting all these medievalists. Medievalists. Is, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard that word. So, so then you know I was like, well, this is this is a great path, and so cool. here I am going back to school for it. So, is a dissertation like a thesis? Yeah. Okay big long paper yep what did you what did you write about i wrote about this uh anglo-saxon concept uh there's a word forest becca and it is um a advocate essentially mm -hmm. um and it's a role that only men play um mm. in the society it's mm -hmm. an advocate uh between or before the law for someone who can't speak up for the law. Okay. Uh, before the law. So um, if you had some sort of complaint or, you know, there was some sort of lawsuit, and if you're a woman, you can't speak before the court, so you get a male mm. relative to do so for you. Mm. Um, and, 
you know, if you were lower class, you might try and get someone upper class to try and speak for you, or mm -hmm. you know, higher up anyway, in a better mm -hmm. station. Um, but interestingly enough, in all the charters and everything like that, we have one case of a woman actually being referred to as a Forest Becca. Hmm. And it's this queen. Hmm. And she sort of takes on this role of Forest Becca um, to expand her influence, clearly. Um, and she actually serves as advocate and like go-between for a lot of women before cool. the court. So it was really, really interesting. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Um, how do you spell Forspeca? F-O-R-E-S-P-E-C-A? No. Not like that. F-O-R-S-P-R-E-C-A, Forspeca. That's wild. Did you, uh, was there a particular, well, you said you've always been into, like, King Arthur. Yeah. So was there something, like, when you got to Berkeley, did you already have that in mind, or you happened to take a class that then set something off? Yeah, or? absolutely. I ended up uh, with a professor um, who was just an, such an unbelievably great professor uh -huh. that I was like, well, you know. I'm signing up for all her classes next cool. semester, you know, regardless of what she's teaching. And it uh -huh. turned out she was teaching uh, Old English uh -huh. as well as, you know, another medieval class because she was a medievalist. Uh -huh. And so because I just signed up for all her classes for the rest of the time I was in Berkeley, <laughs> I, you know, I sort of ended up in this medieval sphere, um, cool. which was, you know, more than greatest things to ever happen to wow. me. So, yeah, what a neat little yeah, niche. It was, it was pretty That's great. super exciting. Yeah, so I ended up learning Old English while at Berkeley and Old Norse. Um, and was just, it's great fun. Yeah. So are those, those are like Old English, <clears throat> that's like where you have E's at the end of everything, right? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, ye old? Is that Old English? O-L-D-E? No. no. <laughs> uh, and, and it wouldn't have been said ye old. It would have, it would have been just the old. Um, uh -huh. Because the thorn, which was what was transposed as the Y. Uh, oh, so a different just, letter. Yeah, would have just stood for the T-H sound. So it would have been the uh, old. Yeah. Interesting. Common misconception. If I were to hear like someone speak old English, would I be able to understand it? No. Really? Yeah. It's that different? Yeah. So um, if you think of Chaucer, Chaucer is Middle English. And if Chaucer? You, Chaucer. I don't know. I like the Canterbury Tales. Okay. Um, so if you read the Canterbury Tales, um, in the original you're reading it in Middle English. And okay. that's sort of, since that's, I mean, it's before Shakespeare. Uh -huh. and um, So you sort of like can struggle your way through that especially if you have like a pronunciation guide so you can sort of figure out what some of that says mm -hmm. and then old english is way before that okay. so if you think of beowulf um, uh -huh. that's what old english was okay so i believe i did read beowulf and but it was certainly translated yeah yeah probably by Seamus Heaney or someone like that and now you're doing translation as well yes right? but with danish with danish um, yeah, so I translate Hans Christian Andersen, um, and he was a very prolific writer, mm -hmm. and is mainly known for writing 
fairy tales mm-hmm. because people think of like the ugly duckling mm-hmm. and the little mermaid and like the matchstick girl and mm-hmm. things like that. But um, he was also a poet, a playwright, cool. you know, all these things. And so I mainly translate his poetry because there's cool. a lot of it that's untranslated. Awesome. Um, and, you know, I'm also working my way through one of his travel logs. Oh, so, really? Neat. Yeah, Where is he fun. traveling? Uh, through Spain and North no Africa. Way. Yeah, that sounds amazing. It is. It's right when the European railroads opened, so he is like trying out this new method of travel oh. that people really are, you know, complaining about because they're like, well, there goes the magic of travel. You mm. know, why mm-hmm. take the railroad? You know, mm-hmm. all this like steam engine and, and stuff noise like that, and, and you know, and you just. You get right to your destination like right. practically instantly. Right. You're skipping the travel, and right. he's like, "Well, there's a lot of magic to that, you know, actually." Sure. Uh, and you know, you get to hit up the good parts. Uh-huh. And of course, <laughs> we've advanced so far since then that people yeah. have a lot of the same complaints about planes and things right. like that. And but train travel is actually the old-fashioned yeah, way now of taking it's, your time. Yeah. Now it's this romantic idea of right. traveling by train. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's great. So, travel logs, so do you work with publishers? Is that? Uh, so... Do you just kind of do it freelance? Yeah, yeah I do it um, on my own, and then I reach out to literary journals or translation journals hmm. and to see if they're interested in publishing it. Uh, <coughs> so, yeah, so I've had good success with that so far. Um, yeah. And I brought a translated poem uh, by, to read today by Hans, Hans Christian, Christian Anderson. Sweet. Uh, if you would. Like I think that. now's a great time for that. I'm gonna eat a cookie. Good. And listen. Um, so this was published in Adiemus. It's called Aut's Brat, which means the year's children. The year has twelve sons. Watch out! Now you'll get their testimonial. The first son is January, who has a great desire for winter clothing. His brother, named February sends every carnival to the dogs. But then March tarries, he wallows in the rain and sun. An eternal fever has April, he smiles with a pointed face. But May, his reputation is good. I regret that he is so short. Loud cries June, good people come, come drive in the forest, I'll see you around. And July, often he makes it a little wet, but the rain is good for the earth. August says, Here it is beautiful, and the halls burst with fruit. September has a pot of colors, the paints both large and small. October is in a bad mood, because the old summer dies. November blasts his storm trumpet. I believe that fellow has never laughed. December, from his winter hiding hole, cries to us, Come, play Christmas. Wow. Yeah. So it's a fun one. Cool. He wrote he wrote a lot of poems and uh, you know many end up being quite depressing. That mm-hmm. one is not one of those. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the lighter ones, which mm-hmm. is why I like it. But mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I really like it's, it. It's a fun idea of the years mm-hmm. having all these children, which which you see now and then in literature these days, right? So, uh, how do you mean? Well, uh, if you think like there, Neil Gaiman, for example, has a short story where the the year personified by all these different people mm. um, gather. So there are 12 people and they gather um, and I guess once a month tell 
stories and they sit around a campfire and then you know after the stories are told they dissipate for another month and mm. you know whichever month it is sort of has control of the mm. gathering the talking stick mm-hmm. if you will and mm-hmm. he sits in this like throne and oversees all these stories being told mm-hmm. uh, and you know they all have their distinct personalities mm-hmm. which I think we ascribe to the months definitely uh, very frequently gosh they go fast though don't yeah, they yeah they do they go really fast but yeah, May's a pretty sweet one. It's kind of hard to beat. Yeah. The spring first taste of the warmth. Yeah. And of produce and stuff coming up in the garden. Yeah. And the then, berries and the fruits just just coming in, and starting the to come in. Yeah. Oh my gosh, have you seen the poppies around here? Yeah. Oh, you have. There's some in elsewhere. Yeah, they're beautiful. And now the peonies are coming. Yeah. I just saw the first peonies that I'd seen a couple of days ago. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Uh, it's more prominent here where. You know, you're coming right. off of snow in winter, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's really nice. I think I'd have to choose September, <clears throat> not only, I mean, not just because that's when my birthday is, but <laughs> for the fall. Yeah. It's always been, I think it's always been my favorite time of year. I really like the fall. It's pretty I mean, great. I'm partial to June because that's when my birthday okay. is. Okay. <laughs> but it's also plum season, so ah. it's hard, hard to beat all those stone fruits. It's true. Yeah. It is. There's nothing like a perfectly ripe peach or plum. Really, plum would be your, your top stone fruit over, say, a nectarine? Uh, nectarines are pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Peaches. Yeah. I think... I think uh, <clears throat> You know, near where I live, though, there are just plum trees galore. Oh, nice. And so you get all these tiny wild plums that are so delicious. In San Francisco? Well, um, where I grew up outside of San Francisco. Oh, okay. So near my parents' house. Okay. And, um, and then, but if you go to the store and buy nectarines or peaches, sometimes you end up with these that just have no taste. Yeah, and so, I know. It's sad. Yeah. But even though they're like giant and right, they, they look, look like they're going to be great, but they have no taste. So yeah. I think the, the little wild plums have a special place in my heart. Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes it is the the um, the wild fruit and the small smaller fruit Yeah, that's the sweetest stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like if you get those tiny wild strawberries that sometimes oh, grow yeah. along the side of the road, those are yummy. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Yeah. So you're also a writer. Yes. And that's what you're here to do in Elsewhere, right? Yep. Are you, are you, is it, are you seeing this as a chance to like experiment or work on something you've been meaning to work on? or? Yeah, sort of a bit of everything. Uh, I, uh, I have a bunch of stuff I'm working on, mainly short stories, and it's you know nice to have that and to not have to worry about lots of other things mm-hmm. I have to do. I mm-hmm. just have the time to sit and write. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really great. Do you have like a job job in San Francisco? Well, I recently uh, left mine so that I could be a full-time writer. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm very excited. It was a great decision. I uh, think we should have a high yeah. five for that. <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm a big fan of... Well, it takes a lot of courage to do it. Yeah, but... Looking good so far. I mean, cool. here I am at Elsewhere. Yeah, right. I wouldn't be able to do that if I had That's something right. full time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's good. Um, writing lots of things. Yeah. yeah. Do you uh, do you write on the computer, do you, or do you write in a, in a notebook? On the computer. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. And in a notebook probably too, right? And in a notebook as well. I, I have one that I bring with me everywhere so that, you know, when... You get down little thoughts. Yeah, or little little sayings that people have that, hmm. you know, I really like. I, um, I overheard some yesterday that I was like, oh, at some point I'm going to work that into something. Um, like, someone, someone was talking about some place, and I have no idea where they were talking about. Uh -huh. It was the only snippet of the conversation I caught. Uh -huh. But they said, the gods have left, but the devotees keep on coming. Whoa. And I was like, wow, Whoa. that's a good line. Wow. So... And I have no idea what they were talking about, especially here in Peonia. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but, yeah, that's pretty deep. But at some point, that's going in something. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's totally like a perfect... Or that seems to me like that's the way to, to write. Like you have to... Um, well, do you ever write uh, like... Or think a lot about writing from your own experience, or do you, and like do you worry that about characters being too close to life, or like because I've thought about that. I've read a lot of Hemingway, and he obviously writes a lot about his own personal life, and that's the only mostly the only kind of writing I do is just like journaling. <laughs> and but I like the idea of writing like a story. But then I feel like, well, what the hell am I going to write? Like, all I could do is write, like, a story about me, you know, and then just give it a different name and, like... But that seems like that's an inspiration to just, like, to take a leap and you're, like, forced to construct things to fill in the gaps if you have something like that that's sort of evocative. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think mm, since writing is, <laughs> excuse me, so personal... You, you start from a place where you're writing about your experiences or mm -hmm. people you know or something someone told you. And, you know, mm. as a writer, people come up and just tell you stories sometimes mm. um, that I don't know if they want to unburden themselves mm -hmm. or um, what, <laughs> what the deal is. But, yeah, so, That's and cool. then you sort of sew them all together somehow. And it's, I mean, it's great. Um, I don't think, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes it may start out that I'm writing something from personal experience mm -hmm. and or about, you know, a friend of mine or something. Mm -hmm. um, but as the story goes and develops, it usually ends up being less about hmm. that jumping off point hmm. than something else. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a good hmm. jumping off point, though. Right. Yeah. I guess you just got to have something yeah. Plus, to start with. Plus, I tend to have very vivid dreams, and so I usually take elements of those and make them into stories. Nice. Uh, that, well, that's a great great way to start as well. Yeah. So. Wow. Do you write down your dreams? Uh, sometimes, when they're, when they're good ones. Usually yeah. only if I'm like, oh, this, this tickles my fancy yeah, in, in a way that, you know, is going to turn itself into a story. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I've been having some pretty good, pretty good strong dreams. Yeah. I feel really good about myself when I'm dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like things are in the right place. Yeah. Uh, I mean, only when they're like strong positive ones, but <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I don't I haven't had many many negative dreams, I guess. I've had kind of 
stressful dreams. Mm. But I generally feel like I'm... I feel good about, like, my dream self or, like, what I'm trying to do in dreams. And it might not always be a great, like, happy situation. But yeah. I feel like I'm my dream self or whatever is usually on the right path. I wonder, do, do you think that... Have you ever had a dream where you're just, like, acting totally, like, irrationally or being cruel or, like... Oh, totally. Really? Yeah. Or you just... Yeah, you're not, like, maybe feel so good about yeah. the way your dream I mean, self is acting? Yeah, I mean, those aren't, like, the good dreams, right? <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> you wake up and you, you uh, turn to your strangling significant... Strangling a cat. Yeah. Oh, well, I've never had a dream like that. <laughs> um, but... I don't know, you, you wake up and you turn to your significant other and you're like, how could you do that? <laughs> and they're like, what? What are you talking about? You're so mean in my dream. <laughs> um, but, but that's somebody else. That's true. But then I have those moments where... Where it's you, you know, that's doing something Yeah, mean. where I'm doing something mean. Yeah. Um, and then I wake up and I feel guilty. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. It's funny how people have those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But usually positive dreams all around. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I agree. When you're when you're having like good positive strong dreams, it is easy to feel like good about yourself that you are doing yeah. the right thing. You're in the right place. Yeah. Also, I think that it requires a certain amount of sleep, mm-hmm. or, um, and like good sleep. Yeah. So that's probably a lot of it. Yeah. Like if I'm super busy and staying up late, it's like my body's just like, I'm gonna, we don't have time for this shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we gotta just sleep here. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have time to, yeah, go off on these tangents. Yeah. So you're heading to the continent. Well, not the continent. You're heading to... to the old world. The old world, right. Yeah. How perfect. Yeah. London. It's gonna be good. Get to go see some castles, probably. Yeah. I'm going to go look at lots of castles. And Hopefully touch a lot of old books. I'm really excited oh, for that part. Yeah. Yeah. So. How about the art? What is the what is medieval art? How do, how do you like that? Well, it's a lot of religious like icono- yeah. iconography. 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 Uh-huh. That was a weird stress in that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I'm less into that than the language portion mm-hmm. of it. Um, mm-hmm. But... It's good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go to the British Library, and it's gonna be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, then London is such an easy jumping-off point for the rest of Europe for travel, mm-hmm. and you know it's gonna be easy to go visit family in Denmark. Cool. It's gonna be easy to, you know, pop down to Spain for a weekend. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about those things. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. How long is the program? Do you know? Oh, uh, this do. one. This one's just a full year. Um, okay, and then. Like September to September, and uh-huh. then um, probability or possibility of PhD afterwards. Oh um, wow! Just like but this will be a master's. This will be a master's. Cool. You have to do your master's before a PhD in sure. Europe. Although you don't necessarily have to do so in the U.S. Really? You just go yeah. straight for the the food. for the whole thing. Yeah, the whole package because uh, the programs are so long in the U.S. Uh-huh. I mean, if you're sitting there for seven years. Or whatever you know for an English PhD, uh, you better believe it. Your master's is wrapped up in that as well. Oh, sure, that but makes sense. But if you know it's only three years in Europe, then right, 
do do a year of masters before to show that you can do your research and right. things like that, and then and then continue on for the PhD. Yeah. So. Do you have an idea of what you want to dive into? Anything in, in particular? Uh, I think I don't know. Um, I have I have a couple of ideas in the back of my mind, but nothing like really mm -hmm. formulated. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. How many kids are going to be or students are going to be in the program? I think. I don't know that either. Yeah, cool. it's just going to be a big surprise when I show up. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the best way. Yeah. It's, I think it's can't can't go wrong. No. London. That'll be fun. Yeah, people that are into it. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. And be surrounded by. The actual history, right? right? I mean, surrounded by these places where these events took place, mm -hmm. and all original documents, mm -hmm. if they have them, and, mm -hmm. and that. Yeah, it'll be good. Do you believe in reincarnation? Uh, no, but I think it's a very attractive idea. Uh -huh. Yeah. Because I, I think about that when I think about like people that feel particular uh, resonance or something with a particular time period and like that they just are so into that like my brother for instance was really into World War II and from a really young age and mm. my mom was sort of amazed at how he like seemed to know about so much about this war when he was like six wow. or seven and he was like reading about, you know, he had it all in his mind, like, the whole scenario, and, um, and I was always really into, like, King Arthur designs, I guess that's not really that unique for, like, a little boy to be in the knights, but, um, I thought about, I've thought about that, that, like, maybe it's because you've had, like, a past life in that time. Yeah. <clears throat> it doesn't necessarily have to be a past life, though, it could just be, like, an aspect, I don't know aspect of your soul or something like that 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 experienced that that yeah. time that'd be cool it would be yeah I don't know there's no way to, there's no way to know <laughs> no <laughs> yeah but so is your brother still into World War II um, did that influence him later in life what does he do now uh he's kind of a, in his, a historian but he's more focused on the time after World War Two, no. like what what's happened after that, and how things have shifted, and and he, and he's more focused on on current events and like what has led to current events. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was definitely into it. I was actually thinking we were just talking about board games. I was thinking about this game that he used to always try to get us to play called Axis and Allies. Oh. And it's like a it's one of those, you know, monster games, huge it's World War Two, huge board and then you can buy bombers and you can buy, you know, tanks and infantry and you plan out your whole invasion. And I was, I was thinking about it last night because we're I was playing board games and I was like <clears throat> This is great, like board games are so fun and how I never would want to play that game because <laughs> it takes so long and he would always win. Like, that's the thing, is he was just better at it, and I never played it enough to get good at it. Mm. But uh, I might be up for it again. We still have it, so maybe maybe next time I'm back in California, we'll have to bust it out. Nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, board games are pretty great. Do you have a favorite? 
Well, Dominion. Dominion. And it's so funny. You've been <laughs> existing right, right down the street. Yeah. And you're a fellow Dominion fan. Big it, fan. It is a Bay Area invention, right? The guy who made it. Is it? I yeah. didn't know that. I've heard this oh. story goes that he, I don't know if he still does, but for a while would visit a particular game shop in Berkeley and play the game and like talk to people about the game. And that was a lot of how he developed the expansions was oh. through just like playing it, talking to people about it. I think he's kind of a young-ish guy. Wow, that's really cool. I yeah. had no idea. Yeah, I think the game just, I think the game came out in 2012, maybe, something like that. It's fairly recent. Are you sure you're not thinking of Cards Against Humanity? Because that's, <laughs> that's Bay Area game, I think. But Dominion's yes, been around. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Dominion's been around maybe a lot longer. Yeah, so I don't know. But that's really interesting, yeah. Yeah. What a great concept that you can make a game. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And it seems like it's like a little bit, I don't know, it seems like a little bit of a, maybe it's just because of my own experience, like I'm playing a board game now, but it seems like people are kind of getting into them and like, yeah. there's more, it's just more than like Monopoly or Clue or Scrabble, like. Yeah. There's so many games out there, and so many new games. It's nice, the variety. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I do think they're having, like, a resurgence there. Yeah. In the board game, and so it's pretty great. And you mentioned there's a board game, is it a festival in Germany, where they... Yeah. I'm talking they, about Power Grid. Yeah, they have a big uh, award every year uh, for, like, the top game. Uh-huh. And... I don't, I don't remember what it's called, but, um, you know, all the board games that win that award always go on and, you know, become like mm-hmm. my favorites. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're great strategic games. I think uh, Settlers of Catan uh, okay. won one year. I don't know if you've played that. Is that yeah, I have. Is that mm-hmm. a German game? Or this is not, this is all games. This is not just German games? Uh, I think it's all games, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it tends to be, I don't know if it tends to be uh, German games that win it or not. Right. But yeah, Settlers is great. Um, Dominion's yeah. great. Power Grid's great. Yeah. All the I don't know. Have you ever played Carcassonne? Uh uh-uh. uh Oh, it's this. It can be. There's a bunch of expansions, but it's this like tile placement game um, where you build out a map mm-hmm. um, by placing tiles, and you can like. It's it's very medieval, and that you like have robbers on the road, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. build up these like castles, and mm-hmm. you have these farmers in the field, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of the expansions, there's a dragon, so you can come through and destroy everything. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's always fun. Gets, yeah. gets other players very angry at you, yeah. though. <laughs> That's what my friend Chris was saying. We were playing the Power Grid game, and he was... he I got... I got... Ended up getting dead last, which I still don't know. Like, I was in denial about it the whole time. I was like, man, I'm still just last. <laughs> like... <laughs> what's happening but he was he was kind of clamoring for like is there like a tornado card or an earthquake card <laughs> something you know to just like mess everything up yeah a little, yeah a little random well you can always implement house rules yeah, yeah that's right um he created a card for dominion called whorehouse and it costs seven and <laughs> and the way it works is you choose a player, so it targets one player instead of all players. Okay. You choose a player, and they um, they draw two cards, and then they give you a piece of treasure of their choice from their hand. Okay. It goes into your hand. And then 
you go on with your turn, they lose their next turn. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I also wanted to ask you, do you know the technicality of Throne Room? Are you familiar with Throne Room? I, yes. I also mean... King's Court, I believe. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, Throne Room is like, choose an action card in your hand, play it twice. Yes. And you can, theor- you can Throne Room a Throne yes. Room. Yes. But for that, do you need two action cards to play twice? Or does that mean that you can take an action card and play it four times? Oh goodness! I don't know if I can answer that without okay. it in front of me. We'll but have I to think look it up, maybe. I think you. Yeah, I don't know. I think you throne room. A throne room, uh-huh. and then you can. You're sort of playing that throne room as if it's the original one, so you can do as you will, right, for the action cards. Well, it's like you're playing. If you throne room a throne room, then you're playing a throne room twice. And the question is. For each that for those two plays of throne room, yeah, can do you need two additional action cards to play twice? Like play it one action card twice with the one throne room and play another action card twice with the other throne room, or can you take one action card and play it twice and then twice again? Anyway, it's something that isn't explained very well in the rules, and I haven't quite figured out. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. For you Dominion fans, if you have the answer, <laughs> please email in and let us know. Okay, but what I want to talk about, just I think we're getting towards the end. Why do you think, like, Game of Thrones, Dominion, uh, there's so many examples of that medieval era mm-hmm. being, uh, it's so romantic, and it's like, it's the subject, I mean, fantasy books. Like, it's the subject of so much yeah. in our culture. Um, why do you think we're so uh, fixated over why does it hold so much appeal? I don't know. I think there are probably several factors in that. Um, but as I think you yourself are a good case uh, example of that because you grew up and you were like, oh, King Arthur is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is because as a kid, you know, this idea of knights out to do good and, mm-hmm. you know, it's very stark good versus evil. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's only later that, you know, sure, knights can do evil as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, and you have this idea of this, this true good of rescuing the princess or yeah whatever it is, and the princess can go off and do great things as well, mm-hmm. and I don't know, it's it's just, it's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Game of Thrones, I think, has been so successful because it's based, you know, on the War of the Roses. And oh, so, really? Yeah, so you have oh, this yeah. very, like, I don't know, solid historical uh-huh. um, context of these fights that for the throne that, um, you know, get so out of hand. Yeah. And uh, it is a romantic idea of a king and a queen and, yeah. you know, imposing your will over a country, right? Yeah. And, you know, who, who of us hasn't imagined that wouldn't it be great if everyone just did what we said? Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> so, not terribly realistic as we grow up, um, uh-huh. but, you know, in these ideas of fantasy that it, it works, right? You know, yeah. We can be... You know, Cersei with great power. Uh-huh. Um, of course, it's you know 
there's lots of bad stuff that goes on there too. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, we can be Daenerys with dragons swooping mm-hmm. in, you know, breathing fire over our shoulders, imposing our will mm-hmm. um, when people won't do what we say. <laughs> so. Yeah, but we're not really dreaming. None of us are dreaming about being being serfs. No. Or peasants. No. We but be... realistically, you know, if you take those like Facebook quizzes of like what era would you, you know, mm-hmm. grow up in or mm-hmm. whatever it is that proliferates through the newsfeed, uh, you know, y- you you end up with these results being like, oh, you're, you'd be in the Renaissance or you'd be in the Middle Ages or mm-hmm. whatever it is. <laughs> um, and you have these beautiful pictures that accompany it, right? You mm. can be, you're going to be a Renaissance lady. You're going to be, a, you know, a princess in the Middle Ages. But, yeah. I mean, of all of the, like, thousands and thousands yeah, of people, you know, we're not. We're going to be a serf back be then. A grubby ass yeah. serf. So maybe not, that era is not quite as attractive if that's who you're going to be. Yeah, if you're thinking about it realistically. Yeah. So. yeah, I think you're right, though. The idea of good and evil and maybe of things being more uh, simple and direct yeah. like ideas of power yeah. and allegiance yeah. and that there's something really I mean it would be kind of great to have a king that like you adored yeah absolutely because to all his decisions you agreed with yeah you know and he I mean, if Queen, she was power. out to, like, do good for the world. Yeah. That's not terribly realistic. No. Um, yeah. And, but it's interesting that we don't have this idea of technology as romantic. Hmm. You know, why aren't we dreaming about the now with, you know, all this technology? Hmm. To some extent, you do in sci-fi, right? You take that skip ahead and you mm-hmm. have um, this ability to travel through the universe. And in, in that way, you've almost got the like future romance of technology there mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. why isn't the now romantic mm-hmm. I don't know yeah there's uh, yeah why isn't the now romantic well I think lar- I think a lot of people feel kind of trapped yeah in the now so escapism yeah, yeah that could be they don't feel maybe don't feel they feel a lot of uh obligations yeah and they also feel a lot of i mean who who the fuck who am i (laughs) (laughs) i should talk about myself maybe (laughs) that would be more true um i find that i take i do take on uh like i'm currently living a life where i'm basically free like, Absolutely. I don't really have any obligations <laughs> or commitments. <laughs> but I find myself very quickly assuming those and looking at the tasks in my day with this sense of, like, oh, now I have to play piano. And then, like, and then it's like, Gabe, you chose, these are all <laughs> things that you wanted in your life. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not quite sure how that relates. But you wish you could jump on a horse and go off and and have unlimited gold and rescue princesses or yeah. do do good unburdened in the world. 
um, yeah. other troubles. I don't know. I don't. I feel yeah. I feel like there's still somehow this idea of like um, that I'm not quite there. That there's still something that I need to like strive for and make happen. Yeah. I, but I don't. I don't know that that's at all like inherent to this era. Yeah. Perhaps we've always been. Uh, Probably. What is our meaning in life? Mm-hmm. And if we're born, you know, too late to explore the earth and too early to explore the universe, hmm. then <laughs> all we have is the now, right now. Mm-hmm. I, so, yeah, you're here. Yeah. So yeah, play Dominion. Play Dominion. <laughs> Eat cookies. Yeah, and escape through Game of Thrones. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, can you drop any uh, any reading reading advice for listeners? Any good books? Uh, well, I mean, Game of Thrones. Since we're talking about uh-huh. that, uh, I I don't know. Um, Who are some of your favorite uh, writers? Oh, Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman. Everything that Neil Gaiman writes, I love. Uh, I, mean, I definitely know the name, but I don't know... Yeah, well, he he wrote Coraline, um, if you saw that movie. Um, he wrote the Sandman uh, comic series, huh. which is uh, really excellent. Um, this excellent take on, on death and things like that. He worked with Terry Pratchett and wrote uh, American Gods, I believe it was. Huh. Um, and of course, everything by Terry Pratchett. His Discworld series is absolutely phenomenal. Cool. Um, and of course, he Terry Pratchett recently passed away, which is a great loss to the writing world. Hmm. Uh, and I always liked the quote uh, that, of his that writing is the most fun you can have by yourself. Hmm. Which I always thought that was hmm, that's great. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. But anything by those two authors. Cool. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks. Well, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, sharing your pearls of wisdom. <laughs> and uh, wish you the best of luck with the rest of your time in Paonia. Thank you. <laughs> hey, all right. Thanks for listening, guys. That was Arenza Lund. Um, if you visit the website and, and go to the blog section... You can look at the post for this podcast, and there you will find a couple of links to some work that Arenza has done translating Hans Christian Andersen. So that's there for you. Um, I guess if you have any questions for her, want to connect with her, send me an email, and I, I can put you guys in touch. Again, the email address for the podcast is gaberobertsart at gmail.com. And I want to just briefly encourage you to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. That's the that's the number one bean binger <laughs> that we're going with, the beanbag binger, the beanbag uh, binger bonanza bangers that we're using is is called iTunes. And if you didn't catch the podcast last week because I didn't post it to Facebook, well. Um, that just proves to you and to me that you haven't subscribed to the podcast. Okay, so whose fault is that? Okay. You know, I don't like to get chippy. I don't want to get chippy. 
but uh, you really you just got to subscribe to the podcast and and think of yourself as a subscribably boo and it's a really nice role to take on you know you just it fits in with most lifestyles you've got a normal life you're living um, and then and then you you uh, you know you're also a subscribably boo and that makes everything sweeter it makes you know it makes juice sweeter <laughs> it makes not too sweet though you don't want to stain your teeth right um what's your favorite toothpaste well folks that's it for the podcast um i gotta go <laughs> i gotta go so you know i'd love to hang out and talk but we just did that you know we just talked for like an hour so i'm kind of tired of talking really uh not really i could actually i could probably talk for another hour just no problem actually um, but would you listen? Would you listen? Maybe not. Maybe you have to go. Boy, I, I sure don't want to keep you. You know? I don't want to be that guy that keeps you when you have to go. I don't want to be that guy. You don't want that. You don't want me You don't want me to be that guy. Right? We don't I mean, we don't want that to be our like our thing or like that's always like a thing that's like in my mind and in your mind. Well, I don't want to do that. So, um, so I guess, um, I guess we just have to say goodbye for now. Uh, you know, so long. Uh, see you later. You know, goodbye for now. Not, you know, not. It's not. For, it's not forever. Um, I'll probably be right back, blasting into your eardrums next week, diving in, knees first. Ciao, 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 bunga, Charlie. I, mean, I am going to leave you with a song, so that's kind of nice. Um, it's a way for you to be listening to this podcast and not listening to me, which I think is important because, you know, we don't want to overdo things. We don't want too much me in your ears in this equation. I don't want you to get sick of me. You know, I really, (laughs) I really don't want you to get sick of me. And, um, but I also, I want to push it as much, you know, I want to push that envelope as much as I can, uh, you know, I want to be right in that sweet spot where you're like, oh, I kind of almost getting sick of them. And then I, and then it stops. So let's stop it right there. Uh, that's the podcast. This is a song, though. Uh, this is by David K. K-A-Y-E. David K. He's a musician I met uh, over the weekend. He, he toured uh, with Gabriel Louise, and they played a show here in Paonia on Friday or Saturday. Uh, it was great, and I, I really enjoyed his bits on the slide guitar. He's kind of a master on it. And he gave me his album and encouraged me to... I told him about the podcast, and uh, he said I could play some of these songs. So here's one. This is called Nightfall in the Foothills. It's an instrumental piece, and it's off of his album, Nightfall in the Foothills. Here's David Kay. Thanks a lot, everybody. Until next time. Adios. Adios.